We're glad, glad you're here. Uh, thankful that the Lord has blessed us uh, through another week. And uh, as we mentioned in, uh, in our time of prayer here together this morning, that there are many that are suffering. Uh, there are tragic, uh, tragic losses that people have experienced this week from deaths. And, uh, of course, the ongoing struggles that people are fighting with the uh, coronavirus. So we just, uh, we just ask that you, you be, if you're out there this morning, you be in prayer and be in prayer for our services here this morning. I want to turn over, as we, as you know, we've been going through the book of Romans, uh, and last week uh, managed to uh, get through the 13th chapter of the book of Romans, and uh, uh, the Lord willing this morning we'll begin to go into the 14th chapter. But as, as I was looking and, and studying and, and thinking about this and reading and so forth uh, this past week and, and looking at things in, in relation to this 14th chapter, and we've been looking at this for a few weeks, but... Uh, as we looked at looked at the things that are laid out there, there's there's some specific things I think that uh, that the Apostle Paul was trying to address, and, and I'd say this he he gets very specific in the fact that he mentions what it is that he's he's addressing, but I think we can apply some of this in a broader general sense to us today because the issues that we're facing in the church at Rome at that time are probably not issues that are that are uh, that we're facing right here at this church on a day-to-day basis and probably not things that people may be watching or facing on a day-to-day basis but there's a principle there's some principles that are laid out here in this 14th chapter uh, and as we carry you know 14 and 15 kind of linked together and I thought about it as brother Derek was talking this morning to us in uh, in our Bible study about some things in the book of Philippians and about being like-minded. Uh, if you go back, if you if you think about what we've been discussing for months and months as we've been going through this book of Romans, you had a group of Christian believers in Rome that were made up uh, from a from a st- standpoint of the congregation that was there. They were made up of both Jews and Gentiles, both Jewish people and non-Jewish people, and they had different backgrounds, different cultures. Part of what they were struggling with, no doubt, was the fact that you had Jewish people that had been raised up to know the law and to uh, to follow the law, and then you had Gentiles who had not been uh, had not been uh, trained up in those things, and you had people that had come together. Now, both of them believers in Christ, <clears throat> the Jewish people appeared to be struggling with the fact that they of leaving some of their their old law behind, uh, their law, law service, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments part of the law, but their law service, the things they followed in service uh, of the law, uh, they, had, they were having trouble leaving those things behind. The Gentiles, no doubt, were struggling with some things maybe that, that they, were, they brought to the table too. And Paul, Paul took the first two or three chapters of this book of Romans and brought them all back to a common table, if you will, of saying, you're sinners. It doesn't matter whether you're a sinner that knew the law or whether you're a sinner that didn't know the law. And uh, you're both saved by the grace of God. He carries that over then as we get over into uh, uh, Romans 5 and so forth and that we're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he, so he brings them back to a common table. That's what I'm trying to say, to a common understanding. And so much then, and, and a lot of people say that uh, the book of Romans is like a uh, a textbook on systematic theology, almost, but it but it's more than that, uh, and it does teach the thing the some things that we need to understand about what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, and the fact that He fulfilled the law uh, in doing all of that. And but just like us today, 
You know, do you know what? As I look out on this congregation this morning, and no doubt the people that might be listening out there either now or sometime later, do you know we all come from a from different backgrounds and different raisings and different uh, traditions and so forth. And, and yet we come together here because we have a common understanding of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Uh, and that's what, that's what brings us together. And Paul, you know, he was looking at, you know, no doubt people, word had come to him from people at Rome about what was going on there. And the, the fact that there, there seemed to be a schism, if you will, a divide between the Jews and the Gentiles and the Jews thought they were better than the Gentiles and the Gentiles thought they were better than the Jews that were there. And both of them began to point fingers at each other about things that they were doing, no doubt. And uh, you know how it is in churches. I, I know you don't know anything about this. Uh, you know, people, people, and when you get divides, people begin to take sides with each other. And then it becomes this group against that group and so forth going on. And Paul's like, knock it off. <laughs> Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to what Jesus Christ did for us, okay? And then, after he, after he goes through all of this, what, we, what you'd almost call systematic theology, up, up through the 11th chapter, then he gets back to saying, you know what? I beg you. I beg you, brethren, don't be don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by renewing your mind. You know, to, to get back to doing those things that God would have you do. You've all got gifts. That's what he says there in Romans 12. You've all got gifts. Use those gifts to the glory of God, to the edification of the body, to the, to the service of the church, not just to the Jews in the church or not just to the Gentiles in the church. And maybe I would say here to us today, not just to those that are your best friends or those that uh, you seem to hang out with or whatever, but to let your gift be given to everybody in the church so that everybody benefits from what you bring to, what God has given you to bring to the table, okay? Uh, it's to be for the benefit of the whole body. And so then after he gets through talking about that, he goes over into Romans 13 and says, you know what, uh, you're, in a, you're in a difficult situation, church at Rome. You're, you're under a Roman empire that doesn't like you. But you know what? Government is given for your good. It's given so that uh, uh, you have civil laws and how you operate, and you're to pay your taxes and pay your debts and uh, and those things. And and as we mentioned here over the last several weeks, it does not mean that we're to be, you know, that, that we're to be out worshiping uh, false gods. Uh, you know, Caesar was considered to be a, a god, and you had other false gods. Paul would say, "Okay, the Roman Empire, the, the thing they've authorized is Caesar worship." So. You, you, you folks there at the church of Rome, y'all just go along with that, you know. He didn't say that. He had laid out the first 11 chapters pointing them to Christ. Christ is the answer. And then he gets over and says, but you know what? The government's still for your good. There's a purpose behind government. And he says, you're to pay your debts, pay your taxes, because those that are in authority, or at least are supposed to be, there for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those that are good and following after the things of the law. And so then he goes on and, and draws it back and says, you don't owe anybody any debt except to love them. And he says, you'll never get that debt paid. And uh, he says, how do you, well, how do you show that you love people? Well, you follow after the things that are written in the Ten Commandments. Uh, you love the Lord your God with all your heart. You love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, that'll keep you from going out and committing adultery and from stealing and doing all those types of things. That's how you show your love for one another. And so then as he gets to the end of this uh, in 13, and as we go into 14, <clears throat> he says, uh, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. 
Uh, and he says, let us walk honestly. That's what we mentioned last week about walking honestly in the day because he said he made the comment, it's, a, it's high time to wake out of the sleep. Uh, and, and I, you know, sometimes it, I've said this in times past, you can read a lot of things that people say sometimes about the book of Romans, you know, or other things. I mean, there's commentaries galore out there, and I probably haven't read a lot of them, I, I've, but I've read some things, you know, that some people have written. I, you say, well, I, I'd like to understand what other people see in this scripture or that scripture. doesn't mean that I have to agree with them or that they're, or that they're some kind of ordained authority because so-and-so said it, you know, or, uh, you, know, it, you know, that doesn't make it real. But sometimes when you read the scripture, you know, by the blessing of the Holy Spirit, he'll just open your mind up and you're like, oh, <laughs> That's what it means, uh, you know, and, and you can, can see, uh, I say that because Sister Marsha and I and probably maybe some of the others, but I, I've heard it's high time, you know, I've heard, I've heard that preached all kinds of different ways over the years, but you know what I think it means? I think it means the sun is up. It's at its peak. You know why it was at its peak? Because the sun that he was talking about was the light of God, the Son of God. He had just come and delivered the world from their sins and died upon the cross. And he says, you people know this. He says, it's, the light is out. The darkness is past. Uh, we're to, you're, walk, you're to now walk in the light because the, the sun, the, the Son of God's Son, the light of the world is out for you to see. Walk in it. Live it. And he says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not rioting and in drunkenness or in chambering or in wantonness, not in strife and envy. Boy, just write that down. Put that on your... I know we did this when we were kids. We were talking to Sister Laura the other day. She started posting little scripture notes, you know, around the house for her kids to, to see, you know, and uh, and things. So, uh, so uh, you know, looking at some of this says, not rioting. In, uh, in drunkenness, in our, in our in chambering. We talked about what chambering was last week. Uh, you can kind of get the idea. Uh, you know, think of a chambermaid, uh, and you say, not in chambering, not, to, uh, not doing those kind of things. Uh, and he says, uh, in wantonness, not in strife, or in envying. You know, people, a lot of times church will get into strife about stuff, and uh, about striving over and I think he gets into that. That's the reason I think we're, the reason I wanted to go back and read this because I can see there was there was some strife going on, and it was about a about some particular issues. And and part of what he goes back to, and part of what Brother Derek was mentioning this morning, you know what? If you have a mantle of charity over what you do, I'll tell you, uh, if you if you exercise the things that you try to do in a charitable way, and then there's times when we have to remember in the church. Uh, and, and we'll get into this. Let me finish reading the 13th chapter, and then we'll start 14. But he says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not rioting and, uh, and, and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So it, it goes almost right back to some things we talked about earlier in this in this uh, book of Romans in the 8th chapter, you know, and, and in the 7th uh, chapter about how the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another. Uh, and so that you know, when you're trying to fulfill the desires of one, you're not going to be fulfilling the desires of the other. So, you know, he's telling us, strive after the spirit. It's the spirit of God that's to be dr driving you. So uh, make not provision for the flesh. 
You know, I, I, might, I might use the old example, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes people, you know, may, let's just say somebody, somebody quits drinking, you know, it's, they've, had, they've had a drinking problem, uh, and, out, and I say drinking to an alcoholic problem, okay? Well, you go, well, you go, to, you go to their house, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, you find out, say, well, there's a bottle of whiskey sitting out on the, on the table somewhere, and, uh, and the guy you ask about, he says, well, I just keep that around as a reminder, you know, of what I've quit uh, and what I'm not doing anymore. Well, you know what you're really doing is you're making provision, provision for the flesh. You're making provision for the time when one day you're weak and one time when you're, when you're falling, uh, having trouble, and the next thing you know, you're right back into it again uh, like you shouldn't be. Uh, and so uh, that's not a commentary on having a, an alcoholic drink, uh, but it is when it's gone to excess. And you become where it, where it conquers and takes your life. And that's what the Bible talks against, uh, is the fact that, you know, drunkenness is a sin. Uh, being, uh, being where you don't know what you're doing, that's a sin. Uh, letting things go too far is a sin. And what you might do during that time would be a sin. So he goes on here. He says, uh, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And this this fits so perfectly with where he's about to go with this 14th chapter. He says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. In other words, don't make him feel bad about his weakness. In other words, don't be, uh, don't be poking at the fact he's got, a, got an area of weakness in his life. And the weaknesses that he's talking about here are something that you and I probably don't even think about, but it gets back to the very things of being legalistic uh, and thinking that uh, what makes me right before God is the way I wear a suit and tie every Sunday. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, uh, you, know you follow me? He said, well, but, you know, if, you don't wear, if you're not wearing a suit and tie, you're just not a good Christian. That's, you know, uh, well, no, that's not true. Uh, uh, why, uh, you know, uh, if you're a preacher, you've got to wear a suit and a tie in the, in the stand. Uh, not true. Uh, you know, when I've gone to Africa. You know, sometimes you go over there and you preach and uh, they want you, you know, they expect your preacher to look like a preacher, so you got your suit and your tie with you. But you know what? Uh, you can go somewhere and not wear a tie. You can go on a t-shirt if you need to. And if the Lord blesses you, you can preach just the same uh, uh, regardless. And uh, so we just need to be careful. I'm not saying a suit and tie is bad. I'm just saying we need to be careful about making it legalistic and becoming something that it's never intended to be. You're not going to find suit and tie listed in the, in the Scripture, by the way. Some of those of y'all that don't know that. Uh, so you're not going to find it there. Uh, and, and you're not going to find, other than the fact that we're to, we're to our dress, not just for church, but every day, should be decently and honorable. We should, we should dress decently. What does that mean? That means covering up all the stuff that needs to be covered up appropriately and not wearing it so tight that you can see things that shouldn't be seen and so forth. And so uh, we ought to have know how to dress ourselves. And you say, Brother Charles, why are you bringing that up? Uh, that's not mentioned here in the 14th chapter. No, but it's something that we can think about and apply better than maybe some of the things that we're about to find here. It's to give you an idea of when we become too legalistic about things, about how you dress, 
whether or not you have benches in the in the church versus chairs uh, that are linked together, like I know in some places, it's a uh, you know, uh, and there's a good reason for, you know to do it either way. I you know that's up that's up to the church, and that's something that we need to think about as we're looking through this portion of scripture. And I, I read this, I and I heard this years ago, but I actually heard where the quote was from. Uh, uh, the old brother Augustine from back in about the year three uh, hundreds or two hundreds, whenever it was, he was. A.D. when he was living, uh, you know, the post-apostolic church time frame, the early fathers of the church, he made, he made this comment. He said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, in non liberty. In everything, charity. Uh, and I'll tell you, uh, that'd do for some folks to write down and remember uh, uh, from today. In the essentials, we ought to be unified. There's some things in here. Paul has just written 11 chapters of things that are essential to the church about doctrine and belief and what Christ accomplished on the cross. Those things are essential that we be unified around some of that. Uh, but you know what? There's some things that are not near as essential. Uh, uh, what colors the carpet? Uh, what colors the walls? Uh, whether we've got benches or chairs. Whether or not uh, uh, you're dressed with a suit and a tie uh, when you're up preaching. Uh, or whether or not you start at 10.30 or 6.30 or uh, you know, 9.30 or whatever. You know, there's things that are just not to, that we can get too legalistic about and miss the point of serving God. Uh, our church, uh, we're, we're an autonomous body. You know who we're responsible to? Jesus Christ. That's who, the, that's who is the head of the church. And so we need to follow after and make sure we're being charitable to one another in things that are not essential Liberty, my friends. Liberty. And that also means us not pointing the finger at everybody else the way they do things too. All right? So anyway, so he says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. So he's, he's couched this here that the vegetarian, the one that's following after a vegetarian, he's couched him as being the weak brother. But there's a reason why he... Uh, he couches him as the weak brother. It's not because he's a vegetarian. Uh, it's the, the reasoning behind why he was a vegetarian. Uh, because he was going back to the old law, I believe, in reading this. Uh, he was going back to the law and saying, you know, we're not to eat certain meats, right? And so because certain meats weren't available and maybe other meats, so he'd just become a vegetarian. He could grow all that in his garden. And that he, he probably felt like he was better Paul says he's weak, right? But he thought he was better than maybe those that were around him because look at how honorable I am. I eat only vegetables. I eat only herbs. Uh, and so he says, uh, uh, For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Uh, let not him that eateth, eateth despise him that eateth not. <laughs> uh, and, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him. So his point being, and we'll, I want to read on through this. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Wow. Who, who is this man's? And this is not saying that there's not things we need to judge. We've gone down through that before. Uh, back in the book of Matthew when Jesus, you know, people misuse that scripture. Judge not lest you be judged. Well, there's things you and I ought to have judgment about 
right and wrong, okay? Uh, but there's also things that we don't need to be judging, and he, that's what he's talking about here. This is getting specific about a man who was eating herbs at the, at the church, uh, not at the church, you know what I'm saying, a member of the body that he, who was a vegetarian, uh, and he was using that as saying, I'm following after the law better than you are because I'm following after the strict dietary things. And he says, don't despise this man. Uh, he's another man's servant. Who is he? He's a servant of the Lord. That's who. That's whose servant he is. And he says, uh, so he says, uh, who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master. He, he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand. So uh, the point being, uh, he's not talking about a doctrinal issue here. Uh, he's talking about a, a practice issue of how this man was conducting himself in his daily walk, walk and of eating herbs and so forth. He says, you don't despise him, and it's not your job to judge him. He's going to be responsible before God, okay? And he says, uh, one man esteemeth, and then he gets into another example. He says, one man esteemeth one day above another. Uh, another esteemeth every day alike. Uh, so we got two guys, two people here. One guy esteems one day above every other day. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, we got one that every day to him's the same, <laughs> okay? And uh, then he gets into that. Uh, he says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know, our conscience is an important thing, and where our conscience comes from is an important thing. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. Well, what he's saying is, you had some people there that were still practicing, no doubt, the old Sabbath. They were setting the Sabbath is the day uh, that's important above every other day. Uh, you know, and so you're supposed to conduct yourself on the Sabbath day in a way that maybe you don't conduct yourself every other day of the week. And Paul's saying, you ought to be, uh, uh, and I, I'm kind of getting ahead here, but he says, some, some people regard every day the same. Why? Because some people get up and say, today is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, and they, re, they look at every day as being a day for rejoicing before God. He said, but some people set aside one day as a special day above every other day. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord doth not regard it. And I'll tell you, I had to, re, I had to read that you got to read that. Maybe I did. Maybe you can read it and get it just like that. Okay. But, uh, uh, but I had to read that several times. He said, if you don't regard a day as being a day unto the Lord, you really don't regard the day. That's what he's saying. <laughs> and so he says, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth thanks. So you've got some people that were eating a certain way and giving thanks, and some people that didn't eat, and they were giving thanks, both of them regarding what they were eating or not eating as being a day of something to be thankful for. So he says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, or whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Uh, so it, it doesn't matter. He's trying to get everything back to a focused point of saying, you know, if, if you regard one day above another, you probably shouldn't, you know, but, but you know, you ought to regard every day as being a day unto the Lord because whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And so you know he's talking about God's people, right? 
He's not just talking about anybody and everybody uh, that might be out there, but he's talking to this church, and he's talking to you, and he's talking to me, and he's telling us we ought to regard every day as a day to the Lord, and we ought to regard whether we eat herbs or don't eat herbs. We ought to regard that as a blessing from the Lord. Okay, whatever we do. And, and, and we can go on, and I think we get, we'll get into this as we get down through here. In fact, I know we do, look, glancing down through this. Uh, uh, but, but you gotta, let's, we'll just keep reading, uh, in this so, and, and get to some points, some side points that need to be made, uh, as we talk about our food and our food habits and, and how we're to conduct ourselves. So he says, uh, for it is written, let's go back above that. Therefore, whether we live, whether we live or whether we die, verse 8, Romans 14, whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. You know, we go back over, I'm reminded, of, uh, in fact, I, I'm reminded of a place over there where, where the Lord was teaching. He'd gone up to a, to a mountain uh, to pray, uh, and James and John and Peter went up there to, to be with him, and during this time, uh, they, they saw a vision, uh, you know, of, uh, of Elijah and Moses and Christ there to, together. Uh, and, and Peter, you know, bows down, you know, and begins, let's build a tabernacle right here, one to Moses and one to Elijah and one to Christ. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, and the Lord kind of then revealed his glory to them, and they, they all immediately fell down on their face. He began to shine like you, the pictures you see over in Revelation and other places. He showed them a little bit of his glory, and it caused them to bow down upon their faces. And when they rose back up again, Moses and Elijah were gone and nothing was left but Christ. And what they, one of the things that they learned there because they saw Elijah and Moses after they had both long died, God is a God of the living, my friends. Uh, uh, and, uh, and we think about these people that we think are dead, they're, they're living, <laughs> All right? And so uh, Christ died like you and I are going to die, and he rose again and is alive again and seated on the right hand of the throne of, the throne of God again because he's God of both the dead and the living. And so he tells us here then, why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For he shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, we're, we are responsible to God for how we live and how we act. And, and that doesn't mean that uh, I could probably, in fact, I know I can, uh, you know, because he's mentioned about the weak brother. Let's turn over to Galatians uh, uh, chapter 6 real quickly. Uh, and, uh, and we'll uh, see just a little bit of a, of a lesson here that ties with this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken, uh, uh, Galatians 6 verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken with a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. If you see one of your brothers overtaken with a fault, you ought to go and try to help them. Right and give them and strengthen them and kept them carry the load. Uh, he says uh, uh, this: uh, if you be overtaken, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself also, lest thou be tempted. You know the the old saying: I was hanging out down at the bar because I was just trying to uh, communicate Christ to all them folks. Well, you better be careful while you're doing all that because you just might be tempted yourself to get into trouble in such a way uh, that's not good for you and good for your testimony in the in the community. So he says, "Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." For if any man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. 
then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. Okay, so bearing the weaknesses of those that are around us. And he's kind of talking about, he says, uh, he says this, uh, uh, so then let so then every one of us shall give account of himself. Go back above that. Does but the, why does thou verse ten judge that judge? Why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. I I do believe there's a there's a day when we're all going to stand before before Christ. I think you see it laid out in the uh, uh, last few chapters of the book of uh, of Matthew, uh, laid there when the great thrice white throne judgment and all the nations are before him there uh, and and I believe when uh, when all of them it doesn't matter whether they're God's children or not uh, they're all going to see Jesus Christ reigning on the throne uh, and they're going to know that even those that re have rejected him uh, and have no desire to worship him they're still going to bow before the king of kings and lord of lords because he is the king alright and so he's quoting to us here from the book of Isaiah and I also believe he's talking about in a sense right here while we live in this world we are all judged of God God's judging us you know we're you may be worried about uh, what does mom and daddy think or what does uh, what a brother Charles think or what would this other somebody else think about what I'm doing right now you know what you need to be it's okay to be concerned about what mom and dad think and uh, what uh, brother Charles thinks but I'll tell you what ultimately you need to be concerned about what God thinks and we need to be we need to be careful about being so judgmental about non-essential things uh, with our brothers and sisters about things that are not uh, a super duper priority back to doctrine and the way we worship Christ we need to be careful about that because all of us even the ones that's judging our brother wrongly We've got to stand before the throne of God too. You know what? And and I'm accountable. I'm accountable daily. Am I misjudging you? Are you? Are you? So I need to be careful. And we need to be careful here in the church. Why? Because it's going to cause division. Things that aren't things that aren't essential. We're we're here to worship Christ, and the and the, and the doctrine has been plainly laid out here by Paul in Rome, and all these other little things about. Well, you know, so-and-so is a vegetarian. Uh, well, so-and-so eats meat. Uh, somebody wears a tie. Somebody wears tennis shoes. Somebody uh, uh, doesn't comb their hair on, you know, all this kind of stuff. We can get so bogged down in looking and trying to inspect each other that we forget that we're here to worship Christ. I'm not here to in inspect you this morning. Uh, I'm not, and, and I hope you're not here to inspect me this morning. You know what? If you, you know what you're going to find if you do, you're going to find a sinner saved by the grace of God that's just thankful he knows about what God has done for him and is able to get here, and thankful even with the difficulties. <clears throat> you know, being being called of God to be a minister. Uh, I, I didn't one day go and say, uh, you know, before this happened, before, I didn't go and say, well, you know what? I think I want to be a minister of God. No, God called me. And you know, you know what it is, you know what it's been, I could tell you joys innumerable that I've had from, from the calling and seeing God's people and preaching to God's people. I can also tell you heartaches manifold, multiplied beyond belief 
of what I've experienced because I have another family that I'm concerned about and care about and love and see things happen in their lives and see decisions that are made that absolutely almost break me down. <laughs> and, and you know, all, all of that... And yet, at the same time, I'm thankful, you know, that God has given me such a, a marvelous ability and a desire to study His Word and try to get up and explain it to other people, right? So, so if you go to inspecting me, all you're going to find is a sinner saved by the, by the grace of God. He says, why, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Uh, or, uh, and why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall, shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, now I want to make sure it's clear, and I say this, okay, if, if you want to think eternal judgment, okay, yeah, we're all going to be judged right or wrong, and you know what we're going to be found there that day? Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. And, and at the same time, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, okay? That's what's going to be found. Uh, so we're going to stand there, and you know what all of us can say? Guilty. I'm, I'm a sinner. And so I'm guilty, and, and so I'm, I'm thankful that I can, it causes me as a sinner to look and say, praise God for my Savior that loved me so much he came and died for me. And, but, but he says, so he says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. You know what? I need to be careful in my life and what I'm doing. You know, I, I was reading this example that somebody had given. It says, uh, he says, so you got somebody that uh, thinks that the, the Sabbath day is still a day that should be set aside. He says, you know what? He said, probably not a good idea on that on a, on a Saturday like that, knowing this brother feels this way. You invite him over to your house for a work party, <laughs> uh, uh, for yard cleaning or for whatever else, you know, might be going Probably not a good idea. You're just putting a stumbling block in that brother's way. Uh, you got somebody that only eats, that's a vegetarian, only eats herbs and vegetables and so forth. You invite them over to your house and, uh, and you're going to just prove a point to them. Uh, so all you fix is chicken and steak and that's all that's on the table. Say, well, eat, brother, or you don't eat it. You're just putting a stumbling block and a reason to fall and fail in their way. And I could go on and on, and you probably could too, with ways you can hurt your brothers and sisters and on things that are non-essential and set before them ways that cause them to stumble and fall in their faith when it's totally unnecessary. So he says, uh, I know, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge rather this, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know, this is Paul now, I know and am persuaded, not just in my heart, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. Now, he said, the problem is, you've got somebody in their mind, and their heart, they think this meat's unclean, and just you telling them it's not, it's not going to change their mind. It's going to have to be a persuasion from Jesus Christ himself. Or, and that doesn't mean that you're to not try. I mean, you can give it, you know, if I was talking to somebody, somebody that was of that persuasion, 
I would say, do you believe the Bible? <laughs> well, let's turn over to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts uh, and let's see the picture of the Apostle Peter uh, who had a vision of God uh, and part of that vision uh, was uh, unclean and this is a Jewish man raised up under the under the law and he has uh, has this picture of this uh, uh, sheet, uh, uh, you know, think about a bed sheet, a bed sheet knit together at the corners being lowered down in front of him and this sheet was full of all types of unclean animals. And in that vision, uh, the angel of the Lord said to Peter, take, kill, and eat. Peter's response, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. He, and, and the response back, what the Lord has made clean, call thou not unclean. Amen. Now, the, the, whole, the whole dream thing, that uh, vision that Peter had, was Peter was fixing to be set down to preach to a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. God was getting him ready to go down there and know that what God had cleaned up, don't you call unclean. Uh, and, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, my friends, that's good advice for you and me. It's good advice. Uh, and that's whether we're talking about food <laughs> or talking about other things. Uh, uh, so so the, the, apostle, the apostle Peter was taught that. G Paul says he was taught. He says, I was persuaded by Jesus Christ. That what God has uh, claimed, uh, don't call unclean. Uh, and nothing is unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth a thing to be unclean. Uh, to him it is unclean. So you can have a conversation with somebody. Don't make it a division point. Don't, you know, uh, somebody, somebody comes in here in the church, uh, you know, they, uh, well, I will not call names, uh, but somebody in here, some folks in here will know what I'm talking about. So somebody comes in, they got tattoos on their arms or their legs or whatever, uh, you know, and you say, whoa, we can't have nothing, you know, that's, whoa, that's bad stuff. Uh, no, what God's cleaned up, don't you call unclean. Amen. <clears throat> Somebody comes in here in ragged clothes. They're not smelling so good. They ain't had a bath in a week or two. Say, whew, Brother Charles, you gotta be you gotta be kidding me. <clears throat> they come in here and enjoy the enjoy the services and talk about wanting to come back to uh, again. I'll tell you what. A, bro a brother in Christ, you better greet them welcomely. Uh, you say, well, they're not dressed very well. Uh, well, that, they do, may be doing the very best they can. Uh, and you know what? Uh, if God will bless them by their obedience, uh, they may get to where they can do better, uh, and they might even have a desire to do better. Uh, and you know what? Uh, being around a group of like believers that don't condemn them uh, and belittle them uh, and make them feel bad just might encourage them to try to do better. So, so uh, you know, uh, that's, I want to take a little bit of this and try to apply it to something we can understand because we're not probably uh, divided by people still trying to serve God by keeping the law in a strict vegetarian diet uh, or those that uh, are eating meat and so forth and others that are not and, and are regarding one day above another. That's probably not your, your big thing here uh, uh, this morning. But I'll tell you what, there's some principles of charity laid out here that we need to understand. So he goes on. But if thy brother, he says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 14 of chapter 14 of Romans, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. I'm going to pause for just a minute, and instead of continuing on, I could just 
tear through this, uh, but let's just turn over to the seventh chapter of the book of Mark uh, for just a moment, uh, and let's uh, read some things uh, that Jesus was having to say. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, verse 5 of Mark 7, uh, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Oh boy, we got a we got a big strike on them here. They're eating their bread without washed hands. I'm not saying you shouldn't wash hands before you eat, okay? I'm just saying they were they were saying, boy, this is a break in the law. They're not following the law. And so Jesus looks and says and answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, uh, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be it in vain they do worship me, teaching doctrines, uh, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things, uh, such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full, full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye keep your own. That, that you may keep your own tradition. You're, you're, you've rejected God in favor of your tradition. Well, I'll tell you, in the church or in our personal lives, we need to be careful about saying, well, I know God says so-and-so in the Bible, but the way I think it ought to be done is like this. Whoa, wait a minute, time out. We, we, need to be, we need to be calling a halt to that discussion and say, I need to get back to see what God says to do. And so he says, you reject the commandment of God and you may, that you may keep your own tradition. And for Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. And whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or his mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. So they, they had come out of way around honoring father and mother uh, by, by coming up with another way of applying the, the scriptures and saying, oh yeah, well it's, it's just a gift. And so he says, ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your own tradition which ye have delivered and many such like things ye do. So then he, then he goes on and, uh, and, uh, and, and talks about this. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand there is nothing from without. I want you to think about it. We're, we, we've been talking about food, okay? So you wonder, Paul says he was persuaded by Jesus Christ, right? Here's what Jesus Christ said. <laughs> Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand there is nothing from without a man that entereth into him that can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man, defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. All right? So he says it's not what enters into you, it's what comes out of you. <clears throat> and a lot of times, I hope, you know, if there's not visual aids, I'm just saying he's not talking about how we purge our bodies daily. I think he's talking about what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your tongue, what comes out of a man is what defiles him. He says, it's not what goes in. You know what? Uh, that's, that's a good, that's a good, you know, we need to be careful today. You know, one of the great plagues of our society is with all the computers and the phones and uh, iPads and everything, you know, uh, people getting to, men and women, uh, get to looking after pornography and looking at things like that. Uh, well, uh, uh, it, it'll, it'll defile you and mess your mind up about how things should be done. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's what comes out of you 
and how you handle things uh, that actually determine that. So you need to need to be careful what you take in, but it's not what you take in, it's what you put out and what you do with it. So anyway, so Paul is over here telling these people, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it's clean. If thy brother is grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. So you've done something that all it does, and you knew that it was going to offend your brother in what you ate or what you did, he says, now you're not walking charitably in what you're doing. You should have been trying. That brother was weak in the faith. He was not strong. He thought it was all about, uh, about, all about the, the, his eat and it, all about his drink or all about his meat or all about his vegetables or whatever. You know, it was about keeping the law a certain way. And he says, you need to try to educate and persuade, <laughs> educate and persuade such a person, right? But he says, don't just intentionally try to drive something down their throat. I've, I've thought about this over the years, and we could all probably think of people we know. I've got people I think of as I think of this. But, you know, have you ever known people that tr would come up to you and ask you, a, maybe they asked you a question. Maybe they asked you a scriptural question. And the whole purpose of that question was not to see what you knew. It was trying to lead you down a road and trap you into some kind of discussion uh, that, they wanted, that they wanted to have. Well, he says, you know, when you're doing that kind of stuff, you're not walking charitably. And so he says, uh, uh, if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, it doesn't mean your meat's bad. He's already said there's nothing unclean of itself. Uh, you know, it's not what enters into you and so forth. But he says, uh, if your brother, if you're hurting your brother by doing this, then stop it. You're not walking charitably. You know, if uh, if you've got somebody that has, that, uh, uh, and you know, in their family, and I, I thought about this, I've known people, when I was growing up, I, I knew a man, I uh, knew a young guy whose dad was an alcoholic. And, and so he was always concerned, you know, knowing that sometimes some of that is a genetic thing with people and so his concern was is that he would be that way so he was very careful and cautious about what he partook of along those kind of lines he didn't want to become like he saw his dad become and that was something that bothered him greatly now for me if I knew that and then I go and deliberately try to put something in front of him that would cause him to fall or stumble I'm at fault I have caused a brother or a sister to fall along the way. So he says, If thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. It's not that you're doing bad, but he says you're, you're, you're trying to do something good, maybe in trying to persuade this brother or change his mind, or, but actually you were doing something wrong in doing all that. Let not your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Amen. Uh, you know, I, lo I love the fact that we get together and have, a, have some fellowship time and some fellowship meals and eat and do all that. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. If all, I, if all I'm concerned about is, is, uh, is lunchtime uh, and, and eating that meal versus getting together and hearing the word of God, I've missed the point. And so, so he says, uh, "Let not for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
What, what is the kingdom? What, I, pre, I preached a whole series of, of messages on the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is and is not, and so forth, back a few years ago. Uh, but uh, uh, the kingdom of God, my friends, it's, it's about coming, to, coming together. And even when, when we're not together, you know what the kingdom of God is? It's peace, joy, and love and charity in the Holy Ghost. So it's it's uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what that's what it really is. It's about having a peace. Why? How can you have a peace? And we were talking about it earlier. Uh, you know, I've seen this over the last number of weeks, and you probably have too. You know, you've had, you've got, uh, and and we talked about this morning. You know, somebody loses a member of their family tragically. You know, suddenly, unexpectedly, and it doesn't matter whether it's a COVID or a car wreck uh, or whatever. You know, you know, and you look at them, and they're just fall, they're falling apart. And maybe for you know, for in some sense, I could say maybe you know they've got certainly they've got a right to break down and certainly cry and mourn and moan over the such a great and tragic loss. But I'll tell you this: when if they're still mourning. Uh, months and months and months later so severely that they can't function in life, that they can't get up and go to work, and they can't continue to have uh, love for other family members like they should and so forth and, and move on, then they're, what they have missed somewhere along the way, and I'm talking about a child of God now, <laughs> is somewhere along the way they have missed righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. They... That because you know what? Even as tragic as things may be and circumstances may be, and I've shed a few tears this week myself over some of the things that over the some of the ones that have, that have been that I've lost this week, friends and family and so forth that I that have that been lost. But you know what? There's a there's a peace that can come over me knowing that Jesus Christ died for them, that they're no longer suffering, they're no longer sick with COVID, they're no longer in old age in a in a nursing home or whatever else it might be. They have gone on to be in glory <laughs> and so I can that gives me a peace knowing what Jesus that's what that's what I think uh, one of the joys and the beauties of of of, uh, of being born of the Spirit of God and coming to a knowledge of what Christ has done for us I'll tell you it'll help you get through the tragedies of life and there's going to be tragedies in the, the Jesus said in this world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I've overcome the world. He told his apostles they were they were all going to, they were going to be taken captive. They were going to be cast out of the synagogues, and many of them were going to be put to death for his sake. He told them that before he left there in the 16th chapter of the book of John. And so you and I, when we look today and look out on the future, we've got viruses and we've got tragedies and we've got wars and we've got things going on in, in our lives and so forth. And you know what? How are we going to get through all of that? The only way you can get through it, my friends, is by having a, a hopeful outlook that this world is not your home. Uh, we were talking about it this morning. You know, Brother Derek mentioned this. Uh, you know, some of us, maybe all of us here this morning, can't believe January is nearly gone. I mean, the years are clicking by, and and as the as our as our old folks always used to tell us, they just get faster and faster. Well. It's the truth, okay? Is it just seems like it goes by quicker and quicker every year, and uh, and so uh, you know, I say that to to think about. You know what? You've got a hopeful outlook on the future about the fact that this world is not your home, and you say, "Yeah, but I'm so young, brother Charles. I'm telling you what, the time will pass by before you know it." 
and it'll be gone. And you'll be home with the Lord before you even hardly know it. And even though you may seem like the day-to-day struggles are so hard for you, and it's hard to get through this situation, this situation, and my health is declining, and I'm not feeling well, and so forth. Or I've got this family member, that's, and I'm having to take care of them and do this. But you know what? You'll look back, and it was gone before you even knew it. So he tells us, <laughs> For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You get bogged down and is it, are you a vegetarian or not a vegetarian? Are you thankful for eating meat? Are you not thankful for meat? Are you worried about what clothes they're wearing and what suit they're not wearing? And so he says, you've missed the point. The kingdom of God is is joy and and peace, joy in the Holy Ghost and, and righteousness and peace. And he says, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. When you've got a peace and a joy and a love about you uh, uh, that carry, that transcends normal thinking, he says, you know what? That's approved of God. God approves that, and men will approve it too. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace and things where one may edify another. Boy, I tell you what, if we in the, we in the church would just love do things that make for peace, and make for edification of each other. I want to see you grow and be edified in the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's my desire, is to see you strengthened by these things. He says, if we just do that, and things that edify one another, for meat destroy, for meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it in thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he allowed. <clears throat> and he says, and he that doubteth is damned, to, damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith, is sin. So he's telling us, you know what? You need to just, as you're going through this life uh, with what you're eating, and, and, and know what? Uh, and I, and I kind of read this, you know, somewhere along the way, is that you think about it. Paul, and as he gets into this, in fact, this carries on over into the 15th chapter of this book of Romans that we'll get to next week. But as he was talking about this, he had a desire. He had never been to Rome. And he had a desire to go to preach the gospel to those that were at Rome also. He says that in the first chapter of the book of, of, uh, of uh, Romans. And then later here in this, uh, this 15th chapter, he talks about he has a desire to go to Rome and, and stop by Rome on his way to go to Spain. He was wanting to carry the gospel on into Spain. You know what, you know what I think Paul knew? Paul knew that uh, when he came to Rome... Well, he goes, on, he goes on and tells them in the 15th chapter. We'll read this next week. But he says, you know, I've taken up, I've taken up some uh, collection for the saints at Jerusalem. And he, he points out that the, collect, the collection that he had been gathered, that he had gathered together for the saints at Jerusalem were given by the Gentile churches of Asia Minor. So you got Gentiles that were being charitable to the Jews that were in Jerusalem. I think he points that out to them on purpose. Uh, that they were that they were having a desire to work together and care for one another, and then he then he talks about I'm going to come to you before I go on into Spain. You know what I think he knew? I think he knew there was division there at the church over various things. He had he was writing this letter to them so that before he got there, 
He wanted them to get some stuff together, some unity, some like-mindedness uh, together with what they were doing. He didn't want to get there and all of a sudden it become, uh, you know, let's you know, let's worship God and let's praise God. It's, it's let's see if we can get Paul on our side. Let's see if we can get Paul on our side. He says, no, the brother that's weak in the faith, the strong need to carry him. And the strong need to be careful how they're judging their brother too. So both of you are wrong. Just like he told the Gentiles, you're wrong for looking down on the Jews just because we've been grafted into the, as wild olive branches and you aren't. Uh, we're better than you old olive branches that have been cut off. He, had, he was having to address these issues because he wanted them to come together. Uh, uh, and so what did he do? I'll repeat this again. He went back to the basic doctrinal teachings and said, get together. Now I'm going to show you how to get together and some things y'all need to put behind you. I, as I was reading this, I thought about, uh, not on, you know, this, this is advice to a church. This is advice to our church. Be together. Be unified. Be like-minded. Not be looking down on each other about little things that are unimportant, the non-essentials. On the essentials, come together. On the non-essentials, liberty. And on everything, charity toward one another. And I thought, you know what? You think about how divided our country is today. And I thought, you know, if we could just get people to go back to saying, you know, I love my country I, and, and being patriotic and caring and, and getting back to that basic foundation of the Constitution and what it means and say, you know what? These are the essentials. This is the stuff we've got to be together on. The love of, the love of this and all this other stuff that people are fussing about, those are non-essentials. Quit, quit raising such a ruckus over, you know, I can go down a whole list. <laughs> I can go down a whole list of things that people are, are ruckusing about today that they ought to say, you know what? Uh, I need to be more charitable toward how I look and condemn everybody about everything else that they're doing, saying, thinking, whatever. And you know what? We could be, the, the country could be more unified and I'll tell you, but we think about, let's be unified as a church. I can't control the country, what I, and I can't control the church. <laughs> but I can sure preach to you and tell you that here's how we need to be, the things we need to be letting go, and some things we need to be charitable. May God bless you. We'll get, it, we'll get into that 15th chapter next week. And uh, hey, it's taken months and months, but I hope the journey's been as fun for you getting through this book of Romans as it has been for me. May God bless you is our prayer.